Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello, and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the Doom Patrol podcast, which is inundated with Doom Patrol at the moment. So we've got more Doom than we know what to do with. Well, we do. I've got a box of Doom over here. You've got shelves of Doom. Yeah, we're we're managing our Doom okay. Yes. Yes, hello, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGarve. You can reach us via email at waitingfordoom at gmail.com or on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page. You can also check out mygreatestadventure80.blogspot.com for excellent posts by our fellow Doombro Doug Zavisha. And all our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio and Podbean.com. And I'm Paul. You can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks. And uh, you can also get in touch with our show sentient Twitter account, which is Wilfred at WFD Pod. Hi, Wilfred. Hello, humans. Anyway, uh, uh, this week we are looking at some Doom Patrol comics. What a shock. But before we do that, <laughs> Mike, how was your week in comics and stuff? Well, uh, several weeks. How was several weeks. Your uh, period. Uh, your undefined amount of time. <laughs> My undefined amount, almost a month since we did the last Waiting for Doom. So, let me see what's been going on. Um, free Comic Book Day happened. That was that was really interesting because we took our children along and one of uh, those children's friends with us and our children were not interested in anything offered by Free Comic Book Day this year. Ooh. Yeah. Now it's a little how bit... Did the child, how did the guest child, the... Oh, he, one. he he picked up a few things, but I think he too was a little bit like, eh, about the whole thing. Very oh, disappointing. Wow. Uh, whereas I picked up the 13th Doctor Who issue, I picked up the Tick, uh, the Animosity uh, Tales, uh, and I think my favourite thing that I read uh, from Free Comic Book Day this year was the Dragonfly, Dragonfly Man uh, story, which is from Ahoy Comics, uh, and their, their title, um, The Wrong Earth. And I've not read any of that stuff before, and I really want to read it all now. It was for a, a one-shot free comic book day story. It was great. I'm really interested in it now. I've read a little bit of it. Yeah, I've, I've read most of the first issues, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what cool. else? Um, oh, there was a little outhouse film that came out. You may have been aware of uh, Avengers Endgame. I think it was called. I thought you were going to say Detective Pikachu. <laughs> No, yeah, <laughs> no, not yet, not yet. Did you see the Avengers film, Paul? I did. Yes, yes. Things got avenged. It yeah, was good. Games ended. Yeah, it, it was pretty satisfying. I thought. Um, yeah. Don't think about the end too much. It'll drive you mad. You know mm. the the catastrophe of having all those people back suddenly when you've gotten used to not having them for five years mm. environmentally. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it was. It had. Some you know good fun, good action. I enjoyed it probably more than uh, Infinity War. I would say. Uh, I'm the opposite. I enjoyed Infinity more, Infinity more, Infinity War more than Endgame. Oh. I think there are a couple yeah. of moments in Endgame that just made me roll my eyes. Uh, I think I... visually it was great. Story eh, didn't didn't quite do it for me. So uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say it's no tremors. <laughs> In fact, yeah. I speak for the entire planet when I say Yeah, all, all the Tremors fan base is going to come after me now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so so that's about it. Uh, my to read pile continues to grow. I haven't touched it because we've been reading, well, I've been reading for uh, certain shows with lots of reading to get caught up on for that. So the New York comics are still sitting there waiting to be touched. But, um, yeah, what about you, Paul? What have you been up to? I have been enjoying some comics. I... I got up to date with American Carnage, which is one of the Vertigo titles, which oh, is uh, okay. yeah from uh, Brian Edward Hill, I believe, and Leandro Leandro Fernandez mm-hmm. from Japan. Um, and insert laughter here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and. That's a really good little crime series. It's mm-hmm. um, it's really scratching that hundred bullets itch that I still have from way oh, back. Wow. 
and uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I highly recommend it if you if you like people in bad situations and getting in deeper and deeper. This is oh, okay. the comic for you. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So yeah, and uh, also reading quite a lot of uh, new DC. So yeah, I'm all over it. All over it. Nice. Um, Heroes in Crisis. That was yeah. <laughs> That, yeah. That'll be an interesting episode of DC. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Won't it just? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh, DC. Yeah. Stay wacky. <laughs> anyway, it's probably... We're putting it off too long. It's time to look at the news. There's so much. So, uh, we have to cover the news, and there's not much to talk of. We are in the, the pre-days, the days before a Doom Patrol comic is coming. That is coming in July, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to living that long to see that. And <laughs> we are also inundated with Doom Patrol TV shows. So, I think uh, we have had four episodes come out since we last talked to each other about episodes of the Doom Patrol. So True, yes. Yeah, so, Mike, what, what was it? Where did we, I don't even remember. What, okay, the first one we're going to discuss is one I'm very keen to hear your thoughts on, because that was Hair Patrol, episode 10, ah, which featured Patrol, yes. the Beard Hunter. Yes, or um, Beard Hunter in name only, Bino, as I'm going to call it. Bino, him. right, uh, yes. Yeah, I... Uh, Sometimes, I mean, I've been very happy with how they've adapted things on the show until The Beard Hunter, mm-hmm. um, because they took that beautiful, pure concept of the guy who just hates people with beards and hunts them, and mm-hmm. they monkeyed with it and tried to make it something more and something different and something it isn't. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I, for one, did not enjoy it. It um, added a superpower, mystical angle to The Beard Hunter that mm-hmm. uh, they were using him to track down Niles and... Bloody hell. <laughs> Sorry, some dogs just galloped past my window barking. <laughs> um, yeah, I did not care for it. Uh, I, I thought the Beard Hunter is just a pure... You think he is the Punisher, except he doesn't mm. like people with beards. Yeah. And that's the concept. That's mm. as far as it goes. That's what you need to do. Um, the rest of the episode was very interesting. We got lots of sort of uh, caveman stuff with uh, Niles. Yes. Uh, with- Finally, know the answer. Does a Nile shit in the woods? Yes, he does. <laughs> we learned that the Bureau of uh, Normalcy was once the Bureau of Oddities. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, a lot of interesting backstory. Uh, I, I have a funny feeling that somehow, when Dorothy, the eight first girl, gets introduced, she's going to turn out to be Niles' daughter. Yes, I I was getting that vibe very strongly from the episode. Yeah. Yes, and um, intriguing that uh, the 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 wolf antelope thing. Um, some people are calling it a, you're calling it a Wendigo too. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know what it is. It was weird. It was cool, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's still active and it's it wipes out the beard hunter at the end of the episode, presumably. Well, yeah, you know, maybe then he'll come back, or maybe then there'll be a new beard hunter who is more aligned with the comic book because I was watching that and I was thinking Paul's going to hate this because <laughs> I know I know that that is is like probably your favourite issue throughout the entire Grant Morrison or like we dedicated one episode just to that issue when we first started the show that's how I much you loved fourth it. episode yes I think so right, yeah okay. yeah mm. yeah um, and I was watching that and I was thinking yep I appreciate they've adapted it and changed it a bit but I know that Paul will not appreciate it so yeah yeah, but overall, I found Niles' backstory more enjoyable. And also, it's the last time you're going to see Niles for quite a few episodes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Uh, we then had episode 11, Francis Patrol, which I really liked. Yeah, this was the the, um, the emotional growth and closure episode for Larry and Cliff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was really nice to see Cliff and, and Rita go off and... and you know, watching him struggle with trying to possibly reconnect with his daughter, and then you know, and and the 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 final scenes with Larry and John. Oh, that was so sad, but so well done. It was great. Stuff. Yeah, 
and building a nice connection between the energy being and Larry as well, like mm. a more of an understanding and a mutual uh, respect. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm. yeah. One question I did have about that, do crocs really jump like that? They do on this show. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I, uh, okay, dumb question. Yeah, I mean, with with a show with people like Mr. Nobody in it, you know, uh, jumping croc shouldn't surprise me, but it did. <laughs> I uh, like, well, I thought what? you would know, because you live closer to the top in Australia than I do. Yeah, not that close. It's still <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I'm in Queensland and we do have crocs, but, you know, they're, they're not like wandering down the street. You know, we don't... No, uh, we, we don't... I mean, for the... For those of you who don't know Australia, there's far more racists in Queensland than there are crocodiles. <laughs> oh, jeez, yes. <laughs> I, I apologise for our racist politicians, everyone. Oh, God. Anyway, episode 12, we had Cyborg Patrol, where uh, Vic got captured uh, in, at the end of Francis Patrol by the Bureau of Normalcy and taken off to the ant farm. And the team actually worked together like a team to rescue him. How cool mm. was that? Don't upset the butts. <laughs> the butts are loose. The butts are loose. <laughs> yes. So this was uh, this was uh, quite a good look at the ant farm from the comics. The, the mm. uh, you know the operators in the ant farm were very uh, Morrison-esque and Case-esque. Yes. And yeah, it was very cool. And yeah, I mean, I was disappointed it wasn't under the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. We did get a, one of the bingo cards marked off where we got the energy being held captive. Yep. So that was cool. Um, and yeah, there was the introduction of Flex Mentello, but we weren't really sure it was him. But uh, no. we knew they were looking for him by this stage. And I particularly appreciate this episode because uh, Rita really got to do something. She yes. was the, sec- the secret weapon in their infiltration of the Bureau of Normalcy. Mm. And, um, yeah, and Cyborg, oh, are things dark for him? (laughs) Yeah. First, he's got the existential horror of seeing that his body is becoming more and more um, automated and less human. Mm -hmm. Uh, He went from 41% to 63% in the previous episode, and that's a disturbing thought. Yes. Um, But then he finds out that uh, Mr. Nobody is monkeying with his, um, you know, the things he sees and believes and, uh, you know, the the things that would be facts normally are um, distorted realities, which is very disturbing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's, it was so well done. It was, I I really enjoyed that episode. It was, and the butts, the butts on the, on the rampage. (laughs) Like, like, why? (laughs) <laughs> Did you get a little bit of a Cabin in the Woods vibe from the end of it? A little the, bit, yes. yes. All the cages throwing open and all mm. the horrors and people running wild? Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a nice call out there. Yeah. And then uh, just this past week, we had episode 13, Flex Patrol, where we finally got Flex Mentello. Wasn't he great? That was such oh. a good, um, you know, delivery of Flex Mentello. The uh, the only thing I would would have wished for more is a hero of the beach flex. Uh, the, there was actually no mention of the beach. The beach was not really part of it. No, it? no, there, there was no hero halo at all. Which, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with. But other than that, uh, it was yeah, it was so well done. And <laughs> there's a scene where where Jane and Cliff are trying to get him to sort of get his memory back and figure out what his powers are and and jane says you know just we'll just keep agitating him and poor flex is watching his daytime soap operas and so to get his attention cliff punches the tv so that it stops working and poor flex <laughs> reacts by bursting into tears <laughs> yeah it's just like why why would you do that yeah and a li- nice little Easter egg that the uh, soap is called uh, Secret Hearts, which is an old DC comic, romance comic oh, from the 50s. So, a completely yeah. nice catch. Nice catch. Yeah, no, we can thank Dr. Ange for pointing that out on Twitter. Okay. Thank you, Ange, mm-hmm. as always. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I didn't like that little boy, though, that was respo- involved with capturing Niles, uh, Niles Flex, uh, in the opening scene, though. I, I couldn't help but thinking, if wondering if that was maybe Giacomo from the Brotherhood. Oh. <laughs> that would be awesome if it was Giacomo. I mean, <laughs> switching him to the Bureau of Normalcy, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, he could join and, up with the Brotherhood uh, later. Yeah, and a very heartbreaking reunion between Flex and Dolores. Oh, that was so sad. Yeah, was... yeah. Well, I mean, when they uh, saw Dolores two episodes earlier, I thought 
uh, I didn't think it was Dolores. I just thought it was a random old woman who worked for the Bureau, but it mm. turns out she was actually an agent of the Bureau this whole time. Yeah, under their control. And, you know, unfortunately she paid the price for making contact with Flex again. So um, yeah. it's very sad. Yeah. But that was yeah. a cool scene where he got his memory back and he suddenly did, you know, the major flexing and all the lights. He, he exploded every light in Doom Manor. And, and yeah. most of the town as well. <laughs> the whole town went dark. So. Yeah. And then the big uh, ending of the show, which revealed that um, uh, Mr. Nobody was the guy in the hospital and he's, mm. you know, watching the, the team come together like an audience member. <laughs> <laughs> and commenting that finally, you know, we're getting what we wanted to see, a superhero show. <laughs> Not some angsty emo dreck. So, but yeah, that that's the other scene I really liked. Um, Rita revealing more of her backstory, and and what the story was with the you know the child and and the woman that killed herself. That was yeah. really sad, but you know it it was nice to see her sort of gaining strength from talking about what's been bothering her all these years. Yeah, Rita, or as we can call her now, Gertrude Cramp. I'll stick with Rita. Yeah. <laughs> Don't lie. Yeah. yeah. But no, the, yeah. the, the, the season overall has been fantastic. The, the show's really well done. A few iffy bits here. I'm looking at you, Hair Patrol. Uh, but they've done so well with it. They really have. I, I do actually have a, a, a re-look at one of the earlier episodes because um, I have a... F- guy at work who watches the show and he was saying that he he can't show it to his partner who's from bavaria um episode three he said that would be very offensive to her and it made me look at it through um different eyes and go oh yeah okay Mm. (laughs) yeah Mm. wow (laughs) (laughs) whoops Uh, so puppet patrol not not a good episode for people of um germanic persuasion (laughs) well if you're an evil person of Germanic persuasion, maybe, you know? Yeah, but it's it's pretty stereotypical. I mean, It, it was, is, yeah. 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 Anyway, um, yeah, and, you know, we, uh, I, I, someone pointed out on Twitter that uh, so much of the show is directed and written by women. And, uh, yes. Yeah, it's fantastic that that diversity comes through, and I think it's it feels like such a different show to all the others, and it's unpredictable, and... Mm-hmm. Much more exciting, and yeah, I mean, you and I are both Doom Patrol fans, and we are guessing week to week where this is going and what's going to yes. happen. It's not, it's not a roadmap that's just following the comic at all. Oh no, no, like like I've like we both said before, they've they've take they've been pretty faithful to the source material, but yeah, their the, their own spins that they're putting on it have been great stuff, and yeah, it's it's so well done. I I, I still can't get over how well it's been put together. Yeah, and every episode is, uh, you know, funny and a bit horrific and, you know, but always interesting. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's uh, Even small things like Cliff coming home with the scrap sticker on his forehead and asking Jane for help in removing it and she just tears the S off. Just small, <laughs> just small yeah. things like, oh, oh, another small moment that meant so much. The bit where... Uh, in, in Flex Patrol, where Jane and Cliff are arguing, and you know he's trying to apologise for just trying to help her out in the underground, and she sort of turns her back to him, and he puts his hand on her shoulder, and she kind of just accepts it and looks up at him. Yeah, you know, finally. And, you know, it's like, hey, she might actually be letting someone in, even yeah. though she's still fighting it. She might sort of be having a change of character where she's saying, okay, yeah, I can't do this alone. You know, there was such a that was such a small but fantastic scene because for the most part Jane's been uh, what's the word I can use fairly unpleasant. Fairly unpleasant is the correct word. Mm. Yes, (laughs) but I I really did enjoy Cliff Steele's performance on Secret Hearts. Oh, (laughs) there there was talk of an Emmy. Did you did you hear Paul? (laughs) There was talk of an Emmy. Yeah. Oh gosh. Mm. Anyway, um, is that a sound of ticking that I can hear? Paul, you know it is, and you know what that means. It's the clock of doom. It's time for the doom clock. <laughs> oh, damn it! <laughs> so close. It's fine. It's been a while. <laughs> 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 
Yes, as we look upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, we can see that it's been just over 26 weeks since we last had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being issue 12 of Volume 6 from Gerard Way, Jeremy Lambert, Dan McDade, Tamara Bronvillain, Nick Darrington, Todd Klein, Molly Mahan and Mark Doyle. And that issue saw the Reynolds family fighting to free the Demonscape from Margoth the Demon Lord, and we discussed it back in episode 131. And issue 13, oh, sorry, issue 1 of volume 7, as we're calling it, is scheduled for, at this stage, July 3rd, 2019. How exciting. Whoa. Is what a time to be alive, Paul. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Seven weeks to go, gang. A mere seven weeks to go. So, yes, Doom Patrol Way to the Worlds will be coming to us from Jared Way, Jeremy Lambert, and James Harvey. And they'll have the patrol travelling around the solar system, facing off against the unusual and bizarre, including the fanatical fitness fiends of Planet Orbis and the Marathon Eternal. And will also feature Robot Man coming to terms with his new life as a human. And I saw an updated blurb somewhere that said he's also going to be having to face something he hasn't had to in a long time, that being his mum. What? I know. I will try and find that again and... uh, get Wilfred to provide a screen cap of that. But yeah, it's it's like they're going, you know, full on with this human man, man. <laughs> yeah, thing. well, we've had Cliff's brother show up in volume one and volume three, but mm. yeah, no mention of a mum ever. No, no, so interesting stuff. So yeah, mark your calendars, gang, seven weeks to go, July 3rd, at this stage. At this stage. Yes. So, Paul, are you ready for the This Week in Doom Patrol History guessing game? I am as ready as I ever am, which means no. Okay. Yes, let's go. All right. I am rolling the eight-sided die. Ooh. You are getting five questions. Five questions. Five questions. Sweet. Yes. Um, is, it, is it a comic that I own? Oh... I will... <laughs> Very sneaky, sir. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, no, you do not own this comic. Oh, okay. Is it uh, from the 60s? Yes, the 1960s? it is. It is from the 1960s. Okay. Uh, ooh, I'm running out of questions, aren't I? Is it called My Greatest Adventure or is it called Doom Patrol? It is called Doom Patrol. Okay. That got narrows two, it down. Two questions left. Uh, what would you describe as on the cover? I would <laughs> describe the cover as having the Doom Patrol on the cover, the, the four team members, but one of them one of them looks like he's being ignored by the rest of the team. Oh, is it that one where they're all walking... They're shunning the chief. Is it that one? Is that your fifth and final question? Yes. Rep- can you repeat the question for me, please? <laughs> is that the cover where they, the rest of the team are shunning the chief and walking away? <sighs> Unfortunately not. <sighs> Damn it. On the cover... It has the Chief, Elastigirl, and Negative Man shunning and walking away, and with tears in their eyes, walking away from a very, very dismantled-looking robot man. Oh. And he's crying out, Help me, Chief! Somebody, anybody, help! And it has the tagline, The Rage of the Wrecker. Uh, so that's like issue 110. 120. 120. That's what I said. <laughs> Sound like 110 to me, but... <laughs> anyway, going on sale for 12 cents American on May 16th of 1968 with a cover date of July-August of that year was issue 120 of Doom Patrol Volume 1. This story was titled The Rage of the Wrecker and was brought to us by Arnold Drake and Bruno Premiani. 
and the story saw the team investigate the disappearance of satellites orbiting Earth, and they discovered the Wrecker, who had planned to destroy all modern technology with bombardments from his space base. And it was this one where, uh, yeah, Robot Man's body gets destroyed, so the Chief transplants his brain into three different special robot bodies. Oh, so, yeah, there's like the, a bug one and a yeah, rocky one, and, and yeah. The, the flamethrower tank one. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He, he and Neg Man go and defeat uh, the Wrecker in space. Spoiler warnings, guys. Uh, and meanwhile, in that same issue on Earth, uh, Elastigirl, Mento, uh, Beast Boy Gar Logan, and his girlfriend Jillian, they all went out uh, to a discotheque and got involved in a brawl. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mento survived that. So. <laughs> Saturday night's all right for fighting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, we covered this issue way back in episode 79 from December of 2016, and you can find that on our website, waitingfordoom.com, in the Doom dossier for Volume 1. Uh, so you can check that out for more details. And that is it for the Doom Clock this week. Whee! <laughs> we indeed. <laughs> A crashing wave of light erupted across the DC Universe. A multicolored spectrum of energy bathed the cosmos in a war of light. Rage clashed against passion. Hope sought to stifle fear. Greed to choke out compassion. And in the middle of it all, the will to keep going and fight for all. Now this war has come to the surface of our planet, because while the light fights, the darkness rises. Hero, villain, friend, foe, family. Across the universe, the dead have risen. And it's going to take every available podcaster to fight back. In 2016, we covered the dawn of the Justice League with Justice League Year One. In 2017, we soaked in the seminal justice. Last year, we threw it back to the Silver Age. But this year's JLMA podcast event covers an event that knows not the boundaries of death itself. JL May covers Blackest Night in celebration of the event's 10-year anniversary. Our coverage begins on April 30th with the podcast of Oa and proceeds through the entire month of May with Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, The Idolhead of Diablo, The Fire and Water Podcast, Head Speaks, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Longbox Crusade, Waiting for Doom, Task Force X, the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, the Dr. DC Podcast, the Birds of Prey Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, and ends with the Lantern Cast. So join us this May, because across the DC Universe, the dead have risen. Where will you be? It's 
the part of the show where we doomsplain things in the segment we call Doomsplaining. It says it right here. And today we are looking at Doom Patrol Volume 5, Issues 2 and 3, which is, uh, you know, came out... These are both 2009 comics, mm. aren't they, Mike? Yeah, yeah mm. 10 years old. So yeah. Mike is going to tell us all about the first one. Settle in, get comfy, grab a beverage, go for it, Mike. Thanks, Paul. Hope everyone's got a nice cold one. <laughs> so or, Doom a Patrol hot. No- or a hot one, yeah. I prefer a cold one, but anyway. Uh, Doom Patrol number two of Volume 5, cover date November of 2009, but actually went on sale September 9th of that year for $3.99. Uh, although it was a 40-page comic because it had a, a Metal Men backup story, uh, but we won't be covering that. Uh, and this story was titled Black is Theoretically Black and was written by Keith Giffen, uh, pencils by Matthew Clark, John Lifesay did the inks, Patrick Brosseau was the letterer and Guy Major did the colours. And the main cover uh, shows the team pretty much in like a large hadron collider, sort of yeah. all about the place. Yeah, l- looking um, not exactly safe at all. It's like that thing The Flash runs around in all the time on the TV show The Flash. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, yeah, I can kind of see it. I haven't seen a lot of that show lately. So, yeah. Uh, There was also an alternate cover uh, that showed (laughs) some of the metal men uh, standing with Robot Man and Elastigirl, and it's Platinum sort of standing there with with Rita, and is it Lead that's arm wrestling? Yeah, it is Lead. Lead sort of formed its lower half into a, a table, and he is arm wrestling with Robot Man on that cover. Very cool. Mm, yeah. If, if you like your middle man. Yeah. So, I, I do. Yeah, I don't mind them, but it's, yeah. It's, yeah they, I, I'm still kind of puzzled by why they were the backup story in this volume of Doom Patrol, but, you know, it was a bit of fun. Hmm. But we won't be covering it. Anyway, I digress, as always. When we last saw this version of the Patrol in issue 1 of Volume 5, which we covered back in episode 142, Robot Man, Elastor Woman and Negative Man had undertaken a not entirely successful mission to stop Dr. Amanda Beckett's mutant monster botfly experiments, but they lost two team members during that mission. Farewell, Nudge and Grunt. Mm. Mm. Yep, mm. sad day. Sad. Yep. <laughs> Hilariously sad. Uh, And then the team returned to their new home on Oolong Island, only to have former Challenger of the Unknown member turned priest, Rocky Davis, try to get them to open up about their feelings. Meanwhile, the chief was contacted by fellow scientists working on a high-energy particle accelerator super collider project, uh, who sought Niles' help with negotiating terms with a black hole. Goodness me. So this issue opens upon the presidential residence of Oolong Island, where President Veronica Kale is being briefed on the patrol's recent mission by their helicopter pilot, a woman named Dusty Marlowe. Veronica is disappointed that the team only damaged Beckett's base, but is surprised to learn Beckett experimented on herself as well. When Veronica suggests an assassination attempt, Dusty defends the patrol's actions and suggests that they're not murderers, even though both women acknowledge that the team appears to have a bit of a death wish about them. As Dusty leaves, Veronica warns her not to get too close to the patrol as that would be counterproductive. Right. Hmm. Mm. In another compound on the island, Niles is prepping the patrol for their next mission to make contact with Wade Ackerman from the Oolong Island Consortium and begin negotiations with a sentient black hole. As Robot Man says, come again? (laughs) Niles tells the team to get in, assess the situation and respond within set parameters, to which Rita replies, there are no set parameters. And then to fend off any possible why-do-we-have-to-go type questions, the Chief insults the Justice League, JSA, and Checkmate, and then asks them why the three of them are still there. I think that was almost like the Chief negging the team. It's yeah. like, they're, they're all too busy, but you guys will have to do, sort of thing. Yeah, so. yeah very Chief. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, in Brandenburg, Germany, in the labs housing the Vulcan super collider that generated the black hole... Ackerman is being questioned by the project director, Dr. Strauss, as to why he contacted the chief as opposed to President Kale about the incident. When Ackerman explains that the patrol are specialists in dealing with strange circumstances, we see all is not well with Strauss, as his face has been replaced by a black hole. 
And as their conversation continues, Ackerman's face twists in on itself and soon becomes a black hole as well. And we soon see that everyone in the organization is now the same. All of their faces have been replaced with a small black hole where their faces should be, and they're all acting as if they're in a controlled hive mind state. Mm. Soon enough, the patrol have touched down, literally by jumping from the helicopter into Brandenburg, but are immediately met by an armed squad, brandishing weapons and, yep, black hole faces. They march to meet Ackerman outside the labs, who then decides to see what the team are capable of by getting the assembled forces to open fire on them. The patrol immediately go on the defensive and manage to easily subdue their attackers. However, despite the fight being over, Rita realises that Larry is still unconscious and that the negative being hasn't returned to his body. It's at this point the sergeant leading the troops apologises and releases the negative being from his body, saying he was curious about the negative energy. Hmm. The black hole being, via Ackerman, wait, let's call him Blackerman from now on. That's a nice little... (laughs) Mixer. Uh, Blackerman finds the patrol to be fascinating and offers to show them to the Super Collider as an alternative to Cliff's suggestion of tearing up the place until they find the Collider thing. Cliff's own words. As they enter the lab and get closer to the device, Blackerman tries to explain how the Super Collider works, but then Cliff asks for that science speak to be put into English, and it gets dumbed down to smack things around and see what falls out. Blackerman admits to being the thing that actually fell out, and they only share certain similarities with an actual black hole, one of those being control over the pull of gravity, which he then uses to knock the team out. When they eventually come to, the sentience is free from Ackerman's body, and now a black hole floats before them. The sentience refers to themselves as the first scientist, as it predates most of the known universe, and was compelled by curiosity to categorize everything it encountered, knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Rita remarks, oh my god, it's another chief. (laughs) (laughs) Cliff asks the sentience if that's all it's here for, to tap into a few heads, study us, and move on. The black hole replies, in a manner of speaking. The first scientist then goes on to explain that in order to properly study us, a massive dilation is required, as our world is massively overpopulated and a few million people probably won't be missed. A wide cross-section of specimens is required to come to any kind of conclusion, and, well, you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. When the first scientist asks our heroes if they understand, Cliff growls back, I think I'm beginning to. And the issue ends with a final scene back on Oolong Island where the chief has been observing all of this via, you know, tiny cameras. And at first we think he's annoyed with Rita about her, oh my god, another chief comment. But it's more annoyance that she may have revealed the presence of the figurative cavalry preparing to ride in. As Niall says, what it doesn't know can hurt it, theoretically. Paul, what did you think of issue two? Wow, it's a real mover, isn't it? Um, Oh, yeah. continually struck by the team's uh, basically blasé-ness about death. Like, uh, all (laughs) these people are getting wiped out in this town of Brandenburg, and it's just water off a duck's back to the team. They, you know, barely acknowledge the horror, whereas, you know, if this was a Justice League comic, all that loss of life would be one of the the central points of it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, but... Yeah, I'm continually impressed with this run because it's actually, what, 10 years old now, but it feels very current as far as the technology, the language. It doesn't talk down to the reader. Um, It just seems, you know, still as... You know, modern as if it was written today or tomorrow. Yeah. I, I when I was reading these, I was actually hearing the cast from the TV show as the voices in my head, whilst I was reading the dialogue, and it fit perfectly. It, it's like the characters, yeah, the, these characters and these stories written ten years ago match up with what's being presented to the Doom Patrol audience today, which was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, the black hole is very formidable. But, uh, you know, he he has detached scientific curiosity and doesn't really take anything personally. No. It's, and, and uh, he's, that's, a little bit, he's a little bit um, patronising, I think. And like, he takes people out when he thinks they're talking down to him and stuff. Yeah. But he's not, he's not really evil for... He's not like, you know, the quote-unquote bad guy. He's actually... As he said, he, he's curious, and he, in order to, you know, 
properly study us and, and you know, conduct his experiments on us, uh, he's, he's going to have to do things his way. And he, he's not really, you know, out to, oh, I'm going to, you know, destroy the world just because I'm a bad guy. He's, he's actually got a purpose, even though it's not really a nice one <laughs> for, for yeah. humanity. It's it's just like I I I'm I'm curious and I, I want to I seek knowledge and this is how it's gonna be you know as you said you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs which again is like really blasé about millions of people dying. Mm. Yes, yeah, so, I mean it is really the opinion of something that is you know otherworldly and doesn't have you know the same constraints or you know fi- mm. finiteness that uh, humanity has. Mm. Yeah, it's. Mm. Oh, I, I love this run, and it just these opening issues alone—they're so good. You know, it's just oh, so so much fun, and just the way the team interacts with each other as well. Just the dialogue is so whip smart, and and you know, and <laughs> the running gag of of nearly every time Cliff and Larry interact. Cliff's first response is "stuff it, trainer." You know, <laughs> yes. it's just. So- Oh, it's it's good fun, and yeah, I I really like the first scientist as you know. I I, I don't want to use the word villain, but he he is the bad guy. But he's just yeah, as you said, he's got this detached aloofness, and he's 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 like a a, a mad scientist, but you know, he's he's just I I don't think he intends to to do bad. He's just this is just how he's going to go about stuff, and that's just the way it's going to be. So. Yeah, a really interesting character, the first scientist. Mm. Mm. Anyway, this is not the only issue that we're covering. So I have read and synopsized issue three, which came out on, uh, had cover date of December 2009, uh, on sale date October 7th, 2009, cover price three ninety nine because of all the pages, edited again by Elizabeth Gerlain and written by Keith Giffen with penciled art by Matthew Clark, inked by John Livesay, lettered by Pat Brousseau, and coloured by Guy Major, who sounds like he's going to fly a rocket and save us all. Um, <laughs> and this one is called Earth Science, and it has a very striking cover of um, your favourite character, Mento, mm. planting a big one on Rita as mm. a nuclear explosion goes off behind them mm. with a map map of the world behind it. So, mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And it's, yeah. yeah. Look, uh, this... T- to be fair, I'll take this kiss scene over the John Byrne Robot Man Reza kiss scene. So you know, even though it is Mento. Well, this one seems a lot less transgressive than the other. <laughs> one. Yes, yes, to put it mildly. Mm. Anyway, the main story was called Earth Science. It had a second cover which showed Negative Man zooming between uh, obstacles made from the Metal Men, while uh, his body collapses in the background and Cliff looks on in concern. Mm. Um, and this was uh, penciled by Matthew Clark and inked by Kevin Maguire. So, whereas the first one was just art by Matthew Clark and one of my favourite pieces by him. It's really good. Yeah, uh, the main cover. Anyway, uh, what happened in this one? I'm glad you asked. What did happen in this one, Paul? I'm just glad you asked. <laughs> so, Niles is uh, in his lab updating his notes on the still unfolding black hole incident, and sighing, he summons Steve Dayton, aka Mento, formerly fifth richest man in the world. We're not sure how rich he is now or where his status is on the scale of rich people in the world. Mm. Um, but given that he's hanging out on Oolong Island at the behest of the chief, I don't think he's that high up on the rich scale anymore. <laughs> yes. But he summons Mento to his private lab. In Brandenburg, outside the collider, Cliff, Larry and Rita realise that uh, the black hole creature has reduced the entire population to ashes, so disposed of all the bodies suddenly. They decide they better head to the nearest big town, Cottbus, before black hole's influence reaches there, so they need to prevent his takeover on the way to Berlin. Uh, they briefly consider having Dusty come in and evac them, but decide it's too risky that black hole might seize Dusty and go airborne. Uh, Rita embiggens herself and with the boys literally in hand she heads cross country and cross water at at times Hmm. anyway back on Oolong Island Steve meets Niles and is immediately uncomfortable with Niles demand to have Steve override Rita's free will Niles tells him that it wouldn't be the first time 
and also tells Steve that he knows his Mento helmet is basically a prop to make people think he can't use his powers unless he's wearing it. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Anyway, uh, the team are en route to Cottbus when they see a man... I'm sure I'm saying Cottbus wrong. I'm sorry to our German listeners. Uh, when they see a man working in the open bonnet of a broken-down car... Noticing that the person has no curiosity about a giant woman striding by, Cliff drops down to see that the man has already been added to the black hole collection, uh, but has been stalled by the car breaking down. After chatting for a bit, Cliff shoots a taser at the possessed man, causing him to crumble to dust. Uh, Larry, based on his knowledge of recent video game play, speculates that the electricity has shorted out the mental connection. Mm. Mm. Unfortunately, a black hole has already projected his consciousness into the town of Cottbus, but having seized all the population, he has made a fascinating discovery in one of the male bodies under his control, that this body can generate a force field due to meta-human powers uh, that gently pushes the other bodies back. As the patrollers arrive, Black Hole uses this super-powered body as his mouthpiece, questioning why they can't leave him alone to his takeover. Uh, Cliff radios Niles for help, uh, like from The Flash or something, but Niles' only instruction is to distract Black Hole. Um, as the team are mobbed by the Black Hole mob, Black Hole tells them that the abilities of this particular Lederhosen-wearing individual allow him to project a telekinetic Curulean aura, which he demonstrates by breaking off most of Cliff's limbs. Take a drink. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Niles tells Steve that he must act now, but Steve protests that if he seizes Rita, she will know that he has done it before. Niles plays a recording of Rita undressing seated in front of the mirror in her room and says it's preferable to the whole world knowing that Steve has controlled her. Ooh. Mm. Oh, crap. Mm. Mm. So Steve acts, and giant Rita's eyes glow suddenly, and she spits up a bit of blood when Mento takes control of her giant body and uses her giant brain to short out all of the people in Cottbus, causing them, to, every single one, to crumble to ash. Except for the Lederhosen man. His aura has protected him from the blast, but also it has trapped his consciousness inside there. Um, he accompanies the team back to Oolong in the helicopter with the same uh, detached interest in what is happening. En route back to Oolong Island, Niles explains to Black Hole that he has him where he wants him, and Black Hole accepts this with scientific detachment. The team are fed up with this analysis, and Larry and Cliff tell Black Hole to shut up before falling into a sullen silence. Across from them, Rita sits, her eyes streaming, still bleeding from the mouth and seething with anger. <sighs> what do you think of this? Steve Dayton, you dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, just... I, okay, the, the good stuff about... Well, the interesting stuff about Steve Dayton is that apparently the hat is a prop. Yeah, that's a great little bit of character piece that he just... The hat is completely useless and he yeah. just pretends to need it. Yeah. Uh, so people relax when he's not wearing it, which mm -hmm. is uh, a nice little bit of psychology from Keith Giffen in characterising Steve Dayton. Yeah. Keith Giffen also makes it, you know, the subtext that... Uh, Mento has controlled Rita into actual text in this by basically making it, you know, yep, she's done stuff when she's been unconscious for your whims and mm -hmm. she married you for because you wanted her to and you mm -hmm. nudge her and control her. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, you know, he's forcing Steve to solve the black hole incident by taking control of Rita's brain and uh, wiping out all the black hole minions. So, yeah. And, and Rita knows it's happening. So, and it, she... You know, she's a smart girl. She knows all the implications of this mm -hmm. and what's happened before. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. I mean, yes, it was a very, it was a clever way to take care of, of the black hole hive mind mob uh, by, yeah, by getting Steve to, across vast distances, link into Rita's mind and then send out his telekinetic powers through her br giant brain. That was clever. But still, it's like, oh, man. And, he, you know, he professes to love her and he just wants the best for her. And it's like, no, you're you're an abusive controller. And it's so wrong. And it's just, yeah. oh, it just makes my skin crawl. You know, and it's... Uh, and, and, and 
it's so weird to see the chief goading him into action and yet berating him in the same breath. It's like, you know, uh, Rita wanted a normal life and it's like, well, your marriage was anything but normal. You were controlling her and, you know, giving her everything she wanted because you were reading her mind and looking into her mind and then, you know, uh, adopting Beast Boy was possibly the best thing that could have happened in your marriage, but even that wasn't normal. So it's like, Mm. oh, but they're so messed up. (laughs) It's just... And how disturbing is it that Niles has known this all along and not intervened? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, he's just filed it away to use later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like wow. they're as bad as each other. They're so yeah. it's it's so such a low act. And oh, and if if people want to know why I don't like Steve Dayton, it's mostly thanks to volume. Well, he was a jerk in volume one as well. But in this volume in volume five, oh, the creep factor just gets ramped right up there. It's oh yeah. gosh. Yeah, I mean, in Volume 1, he is, you know, he's the equivalent of Reggie in the Archie comics, as far as just being, <laughs> being an annoyance. You know. Just with mental powers, yeah. Yeah, but in this, it, it really is overt that he is a despicable user of Reza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's, it's so... It's just so wrong. I just... I This is why... You know, and it's... So you can't even talk properly now, but he, yeah, as you said, despicable. He's he's just um, an abusive controller, and I, I just, I, I hate, uh, unfortunately I've seen stuff like that in real life, and, and seeing it in comics is not great. Um, even though it, it's, it's not actually shown, this is only the third issue in this run, mm. and it's not, other than the the video camera sequence that Niles shows him, you know, we don't really we haven't really seen it in action. But the discussion between Steve and Niles pretty much lets you know that yeah, this has been happening for a long time. Yeah, um, and it's it's not cool. It's just so not cool. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, you can count that there's a reckoning or a comeuppance on the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I really, anyway. I really like that issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, but two yeah. great issues. Doom yeah, Plane. volume five off to a crack and start. Mm. And now it's time for the mailbag of doom, where we read your responses to our previous question of the week, and that was, what comic and non-comic movie mashup story would you like to see made? Hmm. This is, oh. And once again, look, I had an answer for this, and now I've forgotten it because it's been so, <laughs> it's been a few weeks, and I've completely forgotten it. So I've got maybe four or five minutes to try and think up something frantically. Anyway, first off, we heard from Aaron Henley on Twitter at a Henley two thousand eleven. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. And he said, "Catwoman plus seven year itch equals cat scratch fever." I like that. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. We heard from Sean Ross, who is called Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast on Twitter, just mm-hmm. to confuse people. And he said, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, actually. So I think, what would that be like? Is that a um, sort of ensemble piece of, you know, vague love horror? Yes, yes. Stuff. All yeah. in the one big house. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that, I would watch that. Uh, Ryan Daly at Ryan Daly zero one gave us a few. Uh, Twelve Angry X Men. <laughs> uh, Daredevil wears Prada. Fancy, I like that. Uh, oh, okay. And Rent, but with the Justice League. <laughs> okay. So I'm just um, wondering how Daredevil will make it in the high stakes fashion world. Oh, who knows. <laughs> We heard from Clinton, Clinton Robinson at Coffee and Comics blog, and he said Teen Titans plus Teen Wolf equals Teen Wolf Titans. So, what, the whole team are wolf people? I guess so, yeah. Okay, yeah. I like it. Cyborg Wolfman, that would be interesting. Mm. Um, And he said Hellblazer plus the Constant Gardener equals the Constantine Gardener. Ah. Ah, okay. Wordplay. Anyway, and X-Men in Greece. Oh, who knows what the hell this will be, but I'm dying to either see Dazzler or Kitty Pride as Frenchie and hear the song Moody School Dropout. 
So you mean Des Lewis? Muty. That's um, that's racist, Clinton. Muty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor mutants. Oh dear. <laughs> We then heard from Ashford and Laurel from the Huntress podcast, and uh, they chimed in with Little Shop of Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Swamp Thing musical, beautiful. Yeah, I like it, I like it. <laughs> um, we heard from our friend, and I use that term loosely, Juice005, and he said, X-Men in the rain. It's X-Men plus singing in the rain. Good question, guys. Really had me scratching my head for a bit, and that's probably because we gave the... Um, the mm. Example answer of Suicide in the Rain, which yeah. was the Suicide Squad singing in the rain. Anyway, yeah. thanks, Juice. Th- thanks, Aaron. Yep, thanks. <laughs> Quote, unquote, thanks. Uh, Jeffrey Brown at Tazigo chimed in with Doom Patrol and Evil Dead 2. Okay. Okay. So that, that's like creepy zombie horror in Doom Patrol. I'm yeah, guessing. I immediately went to the Kupperberg Doom Patrol with Hot Hands and Karma and Lodestone, so... Oh, okay. Um, Mm, anyway, nice. yeah. mm. uh, Pirate Piccanese at Iowa Card said Cloak and Dagger and Bob and Carol is Cloak and Dagger plus Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, family dramas and fighting crime mm. on the streets. Nice, mm. nice. Uh, Gary at Gas STC2. On Twitter, thanks for joining us, Gary. Said uh, National Lampoon's Vacation plus Sin City becomes Vacation in Sin City. Oh gosh, <laughs> Sin City would be ripe for a comedy. Just yeah. to send up of it all. I, just I mean, it's it's, no, it's nearly there at the comedy point. It's so yeah. close. Yeah, mm. just imagine poor Rusty getting into trouble uh, in Sin City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, another new listener, Moomin Rider, or just a responder, maybe not a listener. Hope you listen. Anyway, uh, at Phylight, uh said, Plastic Man and Matchstick Men equals Plastic Matchstick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I like not, I've not seen Matchstick Men. I don't know what that's about. Uh, uh, no, I, I could be thinking of the wrong thing, but I won't, won't double it. Carowan uh, <laughs> at Carowan. I'm... Um, Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, I possibly am. Uh, chimed in with Lair of the White Worm plus Scarlet Witch equals Lair of the Scarlet Witch. Okay, that have you ever seen Lair mm. of the White Worm? Uh, I've seen some of it. It's arty, but weird. Yeah, but weird, scary. weird arty horror. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, okay, with the Scarlet Witch trying weirder. Mm. Okay, yeah. Mm. Uh, we heard from Jared Driscoll on the Facebook, and he said, "Sorry, I didn't have a favourite non-comics person pen comic for the last question of the week." Oh, yeah, I had a go at him. Um, this week, Will Eisner's spirit and Charles Lindbergh's plane. Will Eisner's the spirit of St. Louis. Ah, nice. Ah, yeah, nicely done, Jared. Okay. You've come back yeah. in style. <laughs> Yeah, it's a thinking answer, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we then uh, also heard on Facebook uh, from Andrew Watton Davies, uh, and Andrew chimed in with Superman Smack My Bitch Up. Is that a movie? I thought that was a song by The Prodigy. Well, as far as I'm aware, it is a song by The Prodigy. I'm not aware of a film titled that, but um, <laughs> I, I am now picturing you know Clark Kent when he thinks he's alone, just cranking the prodigy as he's doing the housework or something and, you know, dancing around the house. Oh. Rest in peace, Keith. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. Now, Mike, can I put you on the spot and say, what's your answer? I don't have... I can't think of one. What was... I had one. I swear I had one. And now it's just... It's completely gone. It was something to do with Doom Patrol, and it was something very witty at the time, I'm sure. Maybe just to me, but... What the heck was it? Nah, you go first, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm drawing a blank. I've been been catching up on some John Carpenter films, Mm. and watching John Carpenter films, I keep coming up with the idea that the question would fit so well in them. Like, imagine the thing, but one of the characters was the question as well. Um, you know, trying to solve okay. that and work it out, and or Prince of Darkness, where you know Satan's coming as a green liquid, um, and everyone you know trapped in that old church building. Uh, you know, it would be awesome if the question was in these stories. So, so okay. you know, something like that. You know, sort of um, you know, 
the the self-contained environment horrors, you know, with the question. Okay, hmm. right. But the, I don't have a punny word for them. You could have the question of darkness or something. Hmm. Okay, right. Just by sheer frantic scrambling on Google, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with um, <laughs> the movie 52 Pickup, and just because I've been reading it recently, the DC event... 52, so that you have 52 pick up 52. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so does it star all the characters that are in 52? Yeah, it's 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 more of a, a noir crime film set in that oh, okay. one year in DC. There we go. <laughs> based, based, on an, based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Uh, it was a film starring Rory Schneider and Anne Margaret. Oh, I remember it. Not mm. well, but I remember it. <laughs> so... There you go. That is my desperate last-ditch attempt <laughs> at a poorly prepared answer for the question of the week. Oh, oh, I wish I could remember like... my other one. It was so good, and it's completely gone because it's been weeks. Oh, jeez. You're like anyway. that kid who's just realised they failed the test, but glad the test is over. <laughs> yes, let's let's go with that. Let's oh, <laughs> let's go with that. Good grief. Ah. Me. Mm. Anyway, I think that's probably it for the show. Um, send us feedback, everyone. Come and visit our site. Write yeah. posts. Tim Price and Sean Ross do it all the time, and they're cooler than you guys. So, um, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> is that negging again? Are you doing a cheat? Uh, I'm negating. <laughs> Negating. Right. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, if you want to, um, well. Do we, what are we doing next time, Mike? And do we have another question of the week? Okay, so next time on the feed, we are coming back with another episode of Waiting for Doom, continuing on with Volume 5, uh, looking at issues 4 and 5, and which also ties in with this year's Jail May event. Which Woo! is covering, woohoo, which is covering yeah. Blackest Night. Ooh, oh, The oh. Dead Return. Yeah. Black Lanterns. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And then, after that, uh, we will be coming back with 52. Yay! The big, the big, big, very big DC event. All 52 issues of it. <laughs> no promises it'll be the week after, but it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. And, uh, Paul, do we have another question of the week? Hopefully slightly more easier to some of us than, sure. than this week's one. Okay, so a comics professional is going into witness protection and has to come and live at your house, and you can make them... Well, the the payment for this is they will work for you for a month. Which comic professional do you want? Ooh. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, maybe please don't tag any comic professionals into your responses. (laughs) (laughs) Just to, you know, not creep them out. (laughs) But, I mean, they are there to render comic production services, so they will draw you, you know, commissions, and, you know, your, if you have a script, they'll draw your script and that sort of thing. Or they'll edit your script, or they will, you know, write while you draw, or if you're that good. So, uh, yeah, think of, think of it along that line. So there's nothing kinky or weird going on here. No, no, there's not. No, there's not. <laughs> not anymore, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds like a four-tweet question now, doesn't it? <laughs> Anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can reach out to Wilfred on Twitter at WFDPod. You can email us at waitingfordoom at gmail.com. You can also get in touch via the Waiting for Doom Facebook page and our own awesome website, waitingfordoom.com. Make sure you spell Waiting for Doom properly, because someone accidentally left out an O, (laughs) and it got blocked at the place of employment. What? Waiting for Dom. <laughs> yeah, that could be anything. I don't think it's a Regis website. Don't go looking, kids. Uh, waiting for Doom with two O's dot com. <laughs> and we'll sign off at that point. Thanks for joining us again, guys. Uh, thank you again, Paul. Always fantastic fun to chat with you. Um, as always, guys, be good to each other. Stay weird. Don't be a crumb bum. And we'll catch you again next time for more Waiting for Doom. Waiting for Doom.